Final Furlong podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Thank you for downloading the Final Furlong podcast. I'm Emma Kennedy alongside At The Races Pundit and my partner in crime, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello! Who had quite the weekend. I'm surprised his voice isn't just hoarse from yelling, Georgie! Georgie! But more on that a little bit later on. Uh, we are also joined by Sky Sports Racing's Vanessa Ryle. Hello. The first lady of the Final Furlong Podcast returns. Welcome back, Binny. Uh, you will be next seen on Sky Sports Racing next week, I believe. But we'll do with your dulcet tones for now as we look back on the weekend's racing with an emphasis on Doncaster. Obviously, the star performance at Kempton and uh, Maidan with Binny a little bit later on. So we'll start with the Lincoln. Um, Auxerre has now taken his record to four out of five. He was a ridiculously short price for the race on Sky Sports Racing, Kev. But a lot of talk about him beforehand. We thought he should be taken on at the price. Turns out the Godolphin team knew what they were talking about. Yeah, and the thing that I suppose the main concern beforehand was there didn't seem to be a lot of pace on paper and he was one that tended to be ridden with a small bit of restraint. So there was, a, and he was drawn 17. So there was a bit of a concern that tactically it might not pan out for him. But um, James Doyle, to be fair, did his homework, identified that potential issue, and booked out and made the run. And um, anyone that took the short price was never in any great state of concern, I'd imagine. With Auxerre, he travelled well, quickened up, and was in control of, of a very competitive race from a from a fair way out. So. Um, he's won this off 100. Um, he's going to go up to kind of the, the, you know, 108, 110, I suppose, after this. And um, he'll be into listed company next time. I'd have to say I, I thought he looked really well, um, you know, for, for a gelding at this time of year. He, he looked very good in his skin. They clearly had him very, very well prepped for the race. And, um, yeah, case of job done. Well done, James Doyle, for, for kind of not being afraid to change the plan. Uh, in light of, of circumstances that that suggested it might be a, be beneficial, and look, Kinran finished second, a good solid horse. The form looks um, looks solid, and yeah, looked a good performance, good horse. Um, how high he can go, I don't know, but I do, I think he was sufficiently impressive here that you that you couldn't really put a ceiling on him yet. Um, he could he could go quite a bit higher. Yeah, and he kept on really well too towards the end, Kev, which suggests that they may be able to go up in distance with them as well. But in terms of going for the Lincoln and, and taking in a handicap, like a valuable prize, this is very much a, an indication that they, they proved it last year that Godolphin are back. Uh, they are a force to be reckoned with, but they're also targeting races very intelligently. Um, yeah, so look, he was a horse with kind of a standout Lincoln profile, if you will, and they clearly decided from a way out to go for it, and it worked out. Um, regarding going up and trip, I, I don't know. You know, he was he, he doesn't look slow to me. He doesn't look like look 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 like he's crying out for it. I'll put it to you that way. Mm. Um, he may end up over a bit further. His pedigree would suggest he could get it, but I'd say they'd be sticking with um, sticking to a mile with him until he suggests um, until he you know asks to go further, if you will. Um, in terms of those in behind, I would give a definite shout to Beringer, um, who ran a lovely race. Um, he was very well backed off for during the week. Alan King was saying he thought he might need the run. Um, he was one that you would have been fearful of 
there being no pace because he's a whole lot of horse to travel as well. And he got a bit wiped out very early on and ended up near enough last. And he ran a big race to finish fourth. I hope to persevere with him at a mile. I think it'll suit him uh, in slightly different circumstances. And um, I think he can win one of these. Uh, I think he can win one of these big handicaps over a mile. So I'll be keeping an eye out for him wherever he goes next time. Yeah, possibly Royal Ascot could be on the agenda for him. We'll have to wait and see. Vanessa, what was your assessment of the race? And can Auxair follow in the footsteps of Adayeb last season or possibly go even higher than him? Yeah, I think he probably can. I was probably a little bit more enthused by him than Kevin sounds, although Kevin's probably just knackered after all this weekend excitement. <laughs> but I, I thought it was a really taking performance. I think they probably will keep him at, his, at a mile for the next run, but I wouldn't be surprised if they stepped him up sooner rather than later. The way he went through the line then took so long to pull up. Um, all those are pretty obvious signs that he won't struggle. Although I'm with Kevin, he doesn't exactly look slow. But it was a really good performance, and I was, yeah, really taken with it. Loved James Doyle, just obviously was told to get on with it with his own tactics, used his brain. And really, the the from Charlie Appleby's training point of view, it kind of... Um, showcase you know two sets of his very obvious skill set that we already know of in terms of race planning you know he's a horse that in he had plenty of enough profile that he could have been on the boat to Dubai for the season over there but they obviously had this Lincoln in mind they wanted to start the flat season with a bang over here and he's the horse that of all their horses put his hand up and said yeah that's the one for me thanks so he was left here whilst lots of others of very sort of similar-ish profiles, similar-ish ratings go off to Dubai. So, you know, that's always pretty impressive when a plan comes together like that. And I would have thought this was probably in the diary straight after his last win at Kempton. Um, and then in terms of his preparation, he doesn't look the easiest horse in the world. He was very strong going down to post. And I think he's a big yoke of a thing, you know. I, I, he probably would have t taken a fair bit to get fit to win like that first time out. And um, I think next time, you know, he'll have that bit of freshness out of him. He might, he'll definitely come on, I'm sure, for the run. And that little bit less freshness, I'm sure, will help him. Because for me, he was just a touch on the sort of buzz side. Um, but yeah, I was, I was really taken with it. I thought it was very good performance from the horse, very good performance from the trainer and the jockey. What's well, not to like? And he's definitely going to go on from here. He's an exciting horse, I think. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, the whole his profile is interesting, as was discussed. You know, the whole thing of him being gelded before he ever ran. It, you know, there's lots of layers to his profile that make it seem like um, he's talented, but is obviously has needed time, is lightly raced and potentially not that straightforward. But hopefully now we can go on from here. Um, and then of the others, if we're picking one out, for me, probably another bat. He's one that obviously came here race fit, but uh, he was had, you know, he was held up out the back. The winner was away and gone. Then he travelled really nicely and uh, put in a decent performance. Was out the far side, over the far side rail, and wasn't wasn't in the right place at the right time. And he'd be one who we pretty much know his level. But I thought he ran a really nice race to finish six, and definitely don't give up on him in these sort of races quite yet. I don't think. Excellent analysis, Vanessa Ryle. Uh, just before we move on, it's another example of when big money comes from a big operation, it tends to mean something. So you don't see horses going off at five to two in Lincoln. And um, the fact that he did.
did spoke volumes about how much Godolphin rate this horse, although he did, even though he is a gelding. So it'll be fascinating to see what they do with him for the rest of the season. And Vanessa, you touched on James Doyle. Like James Doyle was a sensation a few years ago and he got the Godolphin job and two years ago things got very nasty with the comments from Saeed Bin Saror and his mm-hmm. confidence seemed to be shattered. That time down under did him the world of good and last season was a real rejuvenating, almost coming of age uh, season for him. And right now he's one of the best jockeys in the weighing room and that's, that's not overstating things. He is top class. Yeah, he's he's top class. Uh, he's from a top class family. Uh, not to make him sound like a horse, but he is from a top class family. And um, yeah, he's just he's a smart guy. He's he's more than just an athlete, more than just a jockey. He's a really smart guy. He thinks about it. He's the ultra. He's very professional. You know the way he rose above said comments and just got his head down, went down under, like you've referred to. He's, um, you know, he's a switched on individual. He's very professional and he's just very, very good as well. So what more, you know, there's not much more to say about him, really. Kev, if I remember correctly, I think a jockey got injured and that's how the opportunity to go ride for Godolphin Australia came up. But in light of what Said Bin Saror had been saying about him publicly uh, and basically laying the blame at, at him and John Ferguson... It was very classy of James Doyle not to react, that he didn't fire back. He just kept his head down, went and did his job, took the opportunities that came his way and has risen his way right back up the ranks. Yeah, I look, you'd have to be a toolbox to fire back in that situation, to be fair, because, you know, racing's a small game and, and most of these guys, while they might want to fire back, um, most of them would be clever enough to keep their mouth shut because... Uh, the road is long and these things tend to come back around. And it's, um, you know, classic example, closer to home, National Hunt Warning, uh, Davy Russell with Gigginstown, mm. you know, could have could have went public. could and he, and he is a fiery guy. He could have let that fireness that, that he was no doubt feeling um, public, but he, he kept his mouth shut. He put it, kept his head down. And, uh, you know, a couple of years later, he's, he's back getting heaps of good rides from so it's it's in general it's a good policy to uh, to never burn a bridge that that you're just after crossing because you never know when you need mm. when you might need to go back uh, in the opposite direction. But uh, yeah, James Doyle only got that chance. I think I'm almost certain off the top of my head because um, uh, James McDonald got got disqualified yeah. there for a year and a half. That's what it was. So I was trying to think was it an injury or or something else? But yeah, and that wouldn't have happened. So he again grasping the opportunity with both hands and, and going for it you have to admire that yeah yeah look it's a funny old game you never know what's around the corner um and you know in it for jockeys and trainers their fortunes are often uh often hinge on the whims of wealthy owners that don't always make super rational decisions so <laughs> um, you have to be prepared for the unexpected and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't but such is the nature of the game uh, I don't want to toot the final Furlong podcast horn too much, but it was a profitable final Furlong podcast on Thursday. If you listen to the show, if you were taking the wise words of Kevin Blake and getting stuck into Gabriel to place, Gamble landed. Obviously, we shall talk about the wonder at Kempton and Peter T. Fornatel. Take a bow. What a sensational day of tipping. Um, Sky Sports Racing was a joy to watch. 
with uh, with Peter's info in our in our laps. Um, absolutely fantastic, and I was doing a bit of a fist bump with Thunder Snow as well. Um, but Gabriel was your selection, Kev. He was your angle into the race in terms of a place bet, and lo and behold, he goes and does it again. But obviously, the star attraction is Sharjah Bridge for Roger Varian and Andrea Zini. How far can this full horse, now he's five years of age, he's a full horse. Sometimes we've seen it in the past that they just start to tail off and decide, no, no, I don't want to keep racing anymore. But how far do you think he can go? Um, I say he can go pretty far now because, look, the, my, my thought in the race was that he was probably the best horse in it, but it was going to be a very different set of circumstances for him because he spent all of last season running in those those big field, super competitive handicaps where he always got loads of pace and loads of cover. And, you know, when it dropped right for him in the Balmoral, he went and won one. But coming down into this smaller field stakes race with no real pace there on paper, you're just concerned as to whether he's uh, whether he could adapt to those circumstances and show what he can do. Um, but he could. And... I was impressed with him now because it didn't really go right on any front and there wasn't a heap of pace and he was kind of stuck out on a wing with no cover and if it was going to go wrong it would have went wrong um, after the way the first half of the race went for him but um, travelled, picked up very strong over the line um, I know he's only beaten a, a 100 rated filly there in second but I, I really like the way he did it um, I suspect, and look, Roger Varian will have all the options in the world now because he, you know, he can go steady up the ladder. You know, Group Three, he could potentially throw him in a bit deeper if he wanted next time. But um, I'd say going up through through the through the up the rungs of the ladder might be the way to do it. Um, you know, a mile suits him very well. I wouldn't be surprised at all now, and I know he has good form on good to firm ground. But just watching him. I wouldn't be shocked if at least showed him the best effect. And uh, if you happen to be there the next time he runs, go have a look at him because, Jesus, he's knock your eye out good looking. Uh, he's a mm. lovely, lovely horse. Um, and, yeah, I'd say he can he can go pretty far, I'd say. Okay. Vanessa, are you in agreement with uh, Kevin? Is there any other horse that you wanted to take out of the race? No, I'm definitely in agreement with Kev. Um, definitely what he's saying about just needing a bit of cut in the ground. He's a horse that prior to this, his wins have been on soft and good to soft. And it's something that I hadn't really noticed, actually. I must admit, as 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 much as I did on Saturday, his movement is quite exaggerated. Um, can you hear that dryer, by the way? Yes. No. Sorry. I can. <laughs> There, you're off speakerphone now. Uh, yeah, no, his movement, um, I've noticed that more than ever, yes, um, on Saturday, that that exaggerated action, that's something definitely to keep an eye on. Last season just didn't go to plan from him. I was having a look at him before the race, as in just doing a bit of research, just looking at the race. And there was a quote from Roger Varian. So this is from May last year, right? And he said he goes for the Suffolk Handicap at Newmarket. He's from a good German family that improve with age. And I think by the end of the year, he will be considerably higher than he is now if he's the horse I think he is. And this is like, you know, Roger Varian doesn't really make statements like that unless he's pretty confident this horse is going to go up. Now, at the time, he was rated 99. 
but he finished the season winning off 105. But that quote for me makes it sound like he was showing him plenty more than that. And I think just with the hard ground last year and the hot summer and the effect that had, things just didn't go well for him. He ended up winning the Balmoral and that was a good way to end the season. But I think he's a horse that now he's five and like his pedigree suggests and what his connections are saying, he's getting better with age. He's a horse, he fits into the same category as the Lincoln winner in terms of two really impressive performances that I would be hoping we definitely see them in group company next. Um, yeah, I was I was really impressed with him, and Kev's right; he's he's a beauty to look at. Yeah, he'll be he'll be a sire, I'd imagine, down yeah. the line. Yeah. Um, son of Oasis Dream is full brother stands down in South Africa. I'm fairly sure. Um, right. That's a it's a good family. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, he he'll definitely do that job for someone. Yeah. And based on the quotes from Roger Varian on Saturday, he may very well become a much more valuable stallion as the season goes on because he was talking about, as you were saying, Vanessa, his his pedigree to the in his line, two German horses really peaked at the age of five. So he's expecting much more to come from him. Uh, the Sandown Mile is reportedly going to be the next target and he would be disappointed if he doesn't make it up into a group miler of some kind so we shall have to wait and see also Vanessa we can hear the dryer even louder now uh, Petrus okay, hang on <laughs> should I go turn it off yes please do that would be very very useful thank you very much sorry hang on I thought it would be finished right now I normally put it on one of those eco washes but it's not on one of those today it's on like a fucking you know four four miler <laughs> and Vanessa Riles clothes wash broadcast update on the final Furlong podcast is brought to you in association with Purcell when you're doing your clothes washing make sure you use Purcell careful, careful now make sure make sure Fresh. those clothes aren't distressed in there we wouldn't want them be, being asked to continue uh, when, when it was not in the, their, the, with the interest of their welfare oh, yeah exactly well I've given them a little pause now so they can have a breather and Van- the last Vanessa are those clothes Proper tired order. Are those clothes tired, Vanessa? Well, for, <laughs> ba- yeah, Vanessa, you're banned for for fourteen day, fourteen day podcast ban. Excessive. God damn it! Uh, uh, absolutely unbelievable. Tired clothes being made to work. Ah, oh, shocking. Petrus, shocking. Petrus in the spring mile. Uh, Kev, take it away. You were there at Doncaster. What did you make of this performance for Brian Mean and Tom Marquand? Yeah, good training performance by Brian Meehan. You wouldn't have picked him out in the parade ring beforehand now. He looked like he was very hairy. Um, he's a long way away from being, being there in his coat. Um, he'd been gelded since his last run, and, and maybe that was just a help to him. But th- this was a good comeback now. And uh, you'd imagine, given how he appeared in the parade ring beforehand, that he, he may improve in this, which would you know put him in the mix for, for plenty of good races now. Because after... Assuming he gets something like, I don't know, that British handicap pretends to be easy enough on him. If he got six pounds, seven pounds, he'd be in the sort of zone you need to be in to get into um, a Royal Hunt Cup. Um, you need to be kind of 96, 97, 98 to, have it to get in there. So he could be in just the right zone for that. And um, he, he would seem to have the attributes for that. He, he looked a very straightforward ride, very straightforward conveyance. Um, here um, he's not horrendously exposed by any means 14 runs lifetime and maybe that gelding has just brought him forward a little bit because he he lost his way a little bit last season came down about 10 pounds and, um, and maybe it's just the fact that he came down but I'd say the gelding was probably no harm to him and uh, if he can come back uh, come on in terms of his 
well-being and, and condition from this, um, he might well be able to go and compete in another big one off his revised mark. Yeah, son of Zofany, off that revised mark, cheek pieces have obviously had an, an effect, or you'd like to think so. Is he one to keep an eye on, Kev, or do you think that was his derby? Um, ah, sure, look, I wouldn't be dancing and roaring about him now, but it wouldn't be a surprise <laughs> if he could if he could come forward a bit from it, you know? And Vanessa, anything else in behind in the race that caught your eye? Um, not particularly. I thought when I was watching it back, though, Tom Marquand is so good, isn't he, as oh, well? Brilliant. I mean, like, I know you easily say that about a jockey who's had a winner like that. But the way, if you watch him, it, recently Jamie Lynch was on Monday Night Racing and they did a little jockey profile on him because Jamie said he's just constantly catching the eye as a jockey, that, you know, throughout the winter, but just not just recently, like for a long time now. It's hard to find a race replay where he is in the wrong spot in a race. It's hard to find a race where you go back and you think, oh, we got, you know, he wasn't in the right position there. He just seems to be always in the right position and he's strong as an ox in a finish. He's the last one to go for his whip, even though he definitely wasn't travelling as well as a couple in behind him that finished in behind him in the end. But he was rowing away for ages and then he actually only went for his stick with about 100 yards to go and he only kind of went for his stick because the horse kind of drifted, I think, to the, to the rail and then he sort of corrected him and then off he went. And he just, as a jockey, it was brought to my attention to sort of notice him more after Jamie did that jockey profile on him. And, yeah, he's just strong as an ox, like not going for the whip, just rowing, rowing, rowing. Everyone else has gone for the whip. And then, you know, and the horse hasn't got to the front yet. It's not like he's pulling a cart or anything. And then he just, yeah, just I thought it was a really good ride, actually. I thought it showed him to best effect. He burst onto the scene with Godolphin Kev and... They used his claim very, very well, and he obviously learned a huge amount there riding for them and, and getting to work with the jockeys there as well. But you've, you and I, and Vanessa indeed, have talked endlessly in the podcast about the dangers of a jockey who loses their claim and will they be able to go on from here. So far this season, £146,000 plus in winnings um, for horses ridden, £3.5 million in winning's lifetime like this is definitely a jockey going places yeah like he, he's over that hump now i think his claim is long gone and he um he, he's a proper jockey and you'd imagine with a little bit more maturity and experience that he'd be a, a very strong candidate to go to the, ne the next level i.e get a big job yeah and uh, become a, a proper international jockey he looks to have all the tools uh, you know his weight. His weight's quite good. He just, yeah, you just. He, he looks to have, like Vanessa says, he looks to have all the tools. Seems to be an intelligent fella. Um, yeah, just he, he'll just need a bit of luck, like like anyone needs a bit of luck, and they need they need to be given the chance. But he'll um, he'll give himself every chance to be given that chance. Um, by no, the way. Um, random random fact about him, but again, just was brought up in Jamie's jockey profile of him. I think it's something weird like he's the only jockey to get his license through the british racing school to score a hundred percent on the fitness test Whoa. the only jockey to go through there he scored a hundred percent they couldn't fault his fitness nice that's pretty impressive I mean, take some doing that when you consider how many jockey you know and that's ever 100% in his fitness test. And if you follow him on Twitter or on Instagram, I think it is, he's often in the gym. He obviously, you know, another one who really takes his job very professionally. Um, yeah, I, I really, I hope that he gets a lucky break because he's doing well already. But like Kevin's saying, 
you know, a big job could come his way and he could fly. He's the sort of guy that would. Yeah, and to be fair, you know, that's what all those lads should be doing. You know, know. Being, a, being a jockey is a, is a funny thing in that, you know, the horse is obviously, you know, 95% plus of the equation. So you can get away without being, uh, without living like a monk, you know, and, tra- and training like a professional athlete. And plenty of them, you know, kind of, yeah, plenty of them (laughs) make the best of that reality. But the real tip top guys, um, Tom is clearly behaving like a professional. I'd recommend you look, you go on to Karen McAvoy's social media and and look look at, look at some of the workouts he does. Good (coughs) Jesus. Uh, And Karen McAvoy is no spring chicken. What would Karen be now? He's certainly, well, he's mid thirties, is he? Yeah, it must be. Must you know, be, he's, yeah. he's been a professional probably for 20 years and he's still in there working like a dog um, to, to be the best he can be, you know, and you'd like to think, and that's just the way the world is going, you know, every sport has gone that way in the last 20 years, you know, everyone, the, you know, nutritionists are in the mix and um, strength and conditioning coaches and all that. And the jockeys have probably been a small bit slower to embrace that than others, but I know with the the facilities they have in place for them now in both Ireland and England, you know they're getting every encouragement to do the right thing uh, from an early age. But ultimately, it comes down to them if they want to if they want to do that. And I think the ones that do, and the ones that, that think about it, and the ones that um, you know concentrate on the things around their business other than riding, you know, media relations and just being a, a good guy to deal with yeah. or a good girl, you know, I think it makes a big, big difference in terms of who goes to the next level because it's a very exclusive club, those top international riders, and it's a hugely, hugely lucrative club to be in. But, um, geez, you need to, you know, talent isn't enough. You know, you need to be the full package. And uh, Tom seems to be ticking all the boxes. He just needs to keep keep himself between yeah. the lines now and keep doing what he's doing. Well, by the sounds of things, that's the kind of fitness that would equate to Kevin Blake. Sorry, not Kevin Blake. <laughs> Kevin Blake's lookalike, Cristiano Ronaldo. That's, <laughs> that's the kind of level of fitness we're talking about there. So you can... You can... <laughs> That I oh god I'd forgotten that Kevin. I'd forgotten oh about that god. as well. <laughs> oh my god, I'd forgotten that moment. It only just you popped be- back into my head there yeah, as we were talking you, you, about. You better you better retell it briefly there, Vanessa, for people that didn't hear it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I think you tell it better than me. Yeah. I can't I can't remember the exact line that he said. Wasn't it in Galway? Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah, Kevin yeah. in Galway. We sat down. It's just the two of us. We're chatting away at the end of a day and the guy comes over. And what was it? I can't, oh no, I can't remember the exact line, Kev. Uh, something along the lines of meeting you is like meeting Cristiano Ronaldo or <laughs> that something. Was it. That was it. That's it. Like, it was great, you know, to qualify it now, lads, this fellow was at least 15 points in. <laughs> <laughs> Meeting, that's what he said. Meeting you is like meeting Cristiano Ronaldo. And I've just like absolutely gone at the game at this announcement. Gone at the game. It was just like the way that the way that, that reference even entered this drunk man's head. I just couldn't get my head around that at all, personally. Correct Mundo, it is. Yeah, and you're right. You're, you're right. Tweet him and let him know. Tweet him. Oh, Tweet gosh. that man and tell him. 
Uh, so un- good. Unbelievable. Every, that, anything, anything goes in Galway, lads. That happened, yeah, folks. That is a 100% tr- true story. Uh, yeah, absolutely bonkers. Uh, Kevin Blake got us off to a winning start. Not to be tooting the final Fallen podcast horn too much, but Invincible Army was a confident selection for Kev. Um, unpenalized for the Group 3 win last season and got the season off to the perfect start in the opening race at Doncaster. Equilateral again disappointing, but um, PJ McDonald and James Tate on the winner's board here, Kev. Yeah, it was great. Um, great comeback. You know, brilliant start to the season last season, but the wheels came off a bit. He looked like a horse that had something, a physical issue when in his final start at Newbury. And um, I met James Tate afterwards, actually, and I asked him, you know, and he said, well, we kind of have two or three different theories of things that might have been affecting him, but it was nothing, it was nothing so bad that one of them stood out. You know, it could have been any one of the two or three things, but there there was something wrong and they gave him plenty of time. He'd had a very good preparation for this. Um, I'd say they were a little bit worried about the ground. Um, beautiful couple of days at Doncaster. Um, I walked the track. It was, it was getting, it was on its way to go to firm. I don't think you could say it was quite there, but it was on its way. And um, I'd say there would have been a small bit concerned. They would have preferred it to be a little bit easier, but they, they let him take his chance. And just very straightforward, always prominent, um, and, and was good and strong at the finish. Beat Major Jumbo, who's an absolute legend of a horse. Um, really, really super consistent last season. And, and this was a great comeback for him too. He'll be bopping away. Um, you'd imagine in high class handicaps and, and stakes races like this for the rest of the season he's he's an absolute he, he's, he's a super horse you'd love to be involved in a horse like him um, equilateral funny sort of a run funny sort of a run um, you know you, you could put a positive spin on it if you wanted um, just he's jury still out for me now he didn't shape the way I thought he'd shape Uh and I just, he might just have blown up a little bit too far along his out because he looked to be a little bit tap for toe and then came home again. But that wouldn't really tally up with what he was doing last year, where he looked um, all pace most of the time. So, so I just don't know what equilateral. I gather his connections are still pretty bullish that, you know, all the ability to be a Group 1 horse is in there. But yeah, I just, a jury's out for me. And uh, looking a little bit further back, we had uh, a couple of disappointments, but probably nothing worth talking about too much. Arbelay was maybe just a bit too free. First start of the year, dropping back to six furlongs for the first time in a long time. Um, yeah, has questions to answer after that, I think it's fair to say. I just wonder, Vanessa, are these horses just going to continue to beat each other and take their turns? Because it, it does seem as though... There's not really a whole lot between them. Like, Sands of Mali was in Dubai, but he'll come back and... Like, he's right there alongside Invincible Army in terms of in terms of form. And I just wonder well, if they'll, the division needs yeah. something special to come along and, and shake it up, with all due respect to, to Invincible Army. Yeah, it probably does, really. I think Invincible Army, um, you know, obviously, as Kevin touched upon, bit a few issues last year, but generally, I think he was quite disappointing um, despite excuses, if that makes sense, last year. Um, he's another one who's actually an absolutely gorgeous individual. I was lucky enough to go down to the yard last year before he ran, I think, at Ascot. And he's just 
yeah, absolutely beautiful looking thing, uh, in great hands. But you know, I'd say he's not he's not a top class sprinter. Although, as we well know, these horses around this distance can improve with a bit of age, and maybe if things go better for him this season, maybe he will take a step forward. But yeah, Sands of Mali and the likes. <laughs> They're all that no one's putting their head above the parapet and saying I'm a superstar at this stage. And I'd say that, you know, that this particular race hasn't shown anyone to do that either. But it was a nice starting point for Invincible Army. But as he had a nice starting point last year and then he disappointed. So for me, um, I'm definitely not jumping on his bandwagon quite yet. I'd like to see him back up this run with something similar, even at a similar level, if possible. But just backing up a run would be good off a break at this Mm. point. Agreed. That was over six furlongs. Of course, that wasn't the star performance of the day, though, over six furlongs. No, no, no. That was reserved for another track. No, I'm not referring to Maidan. I'm talking about Kempton, where the Wonder Horse resumed his winning ways. Born in Golden Tipperary, hand-reared by a man called Blake, Kevin Blake. Blakester to some and the mighty George Bone as predicted on this podcast yet another winner goes and bolts up for Kevin Blake 240 Kempton the gambles landed 9-1 to into 7s Sebastian Woods steering job and Kevin don't forget Kevin was telling us Kenners I know I think I know what they're doing. I think I have this worked out. And while there is going to be a hot favourite for the all-weather sprint final, which will be live on Sky Sports Racing from Lingfield, this fella is coming for you, Catchy. Georgie Bowen is back! On the 20th of April, 2012, <laughs> in a stable in Golden, a little grey foal popped out of a little fat mare, and that foal was destined to win an all-weather finalist day in 2019 and be a catchy. Gladia fire! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez, I got some kick out of this now. (laughs) Oh, Kev, you you must have. I mean, every time I'm with you and he runs, you're just buzzing. But when he wins, it's, um, it's something else. And that must have been a real sense of pride because, I mean, not only did you predict it, but... He's a horse you bred. Like, you've got such a connection to him. But you you were saying last year that Richard Fatty was talking to you and saying, Kevin, I have no idea why, but for some reason, he seems better than ever. And he had a good season, but that seems to have carried over to this year. I mean, this was a winnable race for him, but this was this was good. And it's, it's a very good sign for the all-weather finals on Sky Sports Racing as well. Yeah, and I won't go on about it now because I could talk about him all day now, but I'm sure everyone's sick of hearing about it already. But to be fair to him, this, this is probably, if not um, if not an actual career best, probably right on top of one. Um, good performance, looked a happy horse. Um, he really did. Um, Seb has built a real good relationship with him, rode him with loads of confidence. He, he needed to, to start sharper to make use of that draw. And while he wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a bolt from a gun, he was fast enough away to get the precision he needed. And that the Fav has bombed out a little bit, which helped. But um, Seb seemed very, very confident from a fair way out. And when he asked him to quicken, he did in good style. And, um, and yeah, look, he'll probably go up to the, you know, 106, 107, 108 probably after this. 
Um, he'll have a bit defined with Catchy, who, to be fair, looks like an absolute weapon of mass destruction over six furlongs at Linkfield. But um, he was beaten in the race last year, so I'll take some encouragement from that. Hopefully he gets a horrible draw <laughs> and struggles to get to lead. But he, he does look an, he looks even better this year, to be fair, since he's been gelded. Um, so he he would set a very high standard. But uh, oh, Georgie will go there with his chance now because he, he looks to be loving life. And, um, you know, his, his while he'd have a bit to find uh, if he got a, a good draw and a good spin through the race. Uh, he, uh, I, I could see him making a, making a good go of chasing down Catchy, hopefully. So, yeah, it was great. And look, he's, he's seven years of age. He's run 50 times and looks better than ever. Um, when you're setting out to breed horses, he's the kind of horse you want to breed. Um, I know he's not a Group 1 winner. But to be still, you know, from winning on Irish Champions Weekend, from winning first time out as a two-year-old in June to winning an Irish Champions Weekend as a three-year-old, and here he is as a seven-year-old, as good as ever. Uh, it's pretty sweet now. And um, and I'm going to be there at Linkfield on All-Weather Finalist Day, and that's going to be a great day. I hope Aww. he gets there in one piece. <laughs> well, let me tell you this, Kevin Blake. Since the introduction of the All-Weather Finals Day, Richard Fahey has won three of the five renewals of this race. Yeah, he, he loves the race, yeah. He absolutely yeah. I tell you, it. we did a three to follow with Richard Fahey for the flat season, and I wasn't on the shoe, as in I um, just got the footage in, and they were like, oh, can you cut this into a little thing? I was like, yeah, fine. And I was flying through it, and I thought, oh, yeah, well, I, I know at least one of his three to follow. And he said, like, Sands of Marley. And I thought, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Then he rattled off another, a two-year-old whose name I can't remember. You have to watch it. And then I thought, when he said, my third horse to follow, I thought, yeah, this is definitely going to be George Bowen. No, it wasn't George Bowen. How can his third horse to follow not be George Bowen? Because, Vanessa, as the Joker said in The Dark Knight, it's all part of of the plan it was to put everybody <laughs> off nobody suspects a thing and he'll race off level weights on all weather finals day and bam uh, takes down Catchy Catchy has got an official rating of 112 I believe Kev so yeah yeah. so it, it, how much improvement do you think there is in, in the big boy uh, well look like in and I'm clearly biased, like, but to be fair, on another day, I do genuinely believe that he would have went very close to winning the Stewards Cup off 106 last year. And if that's the case, you know, he's a one, he's a 110 horse, maybe a 110, 11 horse, maybe even a 112 horse. You know, I think he's, I think the that ability is in there when things go right. And um, you just, I just wish the the race was at Kempton rather than Lingfield, just because I think Kempton, in terms of track configuration, would suit him better than Lingfield. Um, I think he likes a bit of space and a, and a bit of time to wind up his run and Lingfield that just when you turn in there you know there's, there's not quite as long a straight as you have to deal with around the outer track at Kempton so that's if I'm being fussy you know I'd fuss about that but um, sure look you know it's great that he'll go there with, with, a, with a big chance and I, very quickly because again I'm conscious of constantly going on about this horse but mm-hmm. um, uh, we've given him a shout out before but I, I give his, his owner Mick um, Scaff uh, a shout out as well because I think we said it before in the pod but there's many many owners would have given up on this fella and um, and stuck him in the horses and training sale there a few different times I know he was offered a lot of money for him to go to Hong Kong early in his life and then when he went a bit disappointed and had a bit of a barren run uh, every time that the October horses and training sales catalogs came out I was rushing through him 
down to the G's expecting to appear, but he never did. He stuck with him. And um, yeah, he, he's getting his rewards now for his for his patience and perseverance. So big shout out to Mick as well, who who I met at Air actually for the first. I, I met him for the first time on Irish Champions weekend when he won, and I did meet him again until Air um, on Gold Cup day when he ran. And a real nice fella, very very generous, real nice guy. And uh, yeah, I'll hopefully see him again at Linkfield in a few weeks. And see him in the winner's enclosure as well, for that matter. That race and the entire meeting, by the way, uh, will be live on Sky Sports Racing. Alex Hammond will, will be there. I'm presuming Vanessa Ryle will be there because you were there last year as well, Benny. So I don't know why you wouldn't be. And Kev will be there as well. But it's all live on Sky Sports Racing. And hopefully, George Bone will be in the winner's enclosure that day and will deny Catchy winning that race Imagine. once again. <laughs> I oh, can, Christ, imagine. <laughs> I can tell you that uh, a, a few firms have priced up, Georgie. So Catchy's odds on 10 to 11. And some big firms have gone 10 to 1 George Bone. But there are a number of big firms who have not priced up George Bone for this race yet. <laughs> to which I say, cop yourselves on and please go mm-hmm. 20s. Please go 20 to 1. <laughs> sure, he's no chance really, lads. Go on, 20 to 1. Uh, cop yourselves on, lads. Come on, get him in the market and, uh, and let's have a tilt at him. Uh, a few stories to discuss. Uh, Fran Berry has announced his retirement from racing. This is a bit of a shock. Uh, he's been riding for 23 years, but he suffered a very, very bad spinal injury at Wolverhampton and uh, has today announced that he's been forced to retire due to medical advice from that fall at Wolverhampton. So, Kev, he's a good guy for one thing. Um, great career, made the move over to the UK later in life and, and made that a successful move as well. And It certainly wouldn't have been his plan to, to give up at the age of 38, and it's a shame he has to. Yeah, no, geez, to be honest, I was kind of hoping that this was an April Fool's, but it clearly wasn't. Um, like a gentleman, absolute gentleman to deal with, always has been, and uh, had a wonderful career. You know, Cheltenham Festival winning jockey early on in his life. He, he won a, a Coral Cup um, back in 19 Dickie de um for Jesus, who what was it? Um, it? It was for Christy Roach, literally 20 years ago. Um, he was only a young fella, and um, then made the switch to the flat. And always just a lovely, patient, you know, sympathetic rider. You would never have picked him out as the inverted commas strongest jockey, but always well positioned and um, and made a very, very good career for himself. Group one winning jockey. Um, There's that that club of of jockeys that have ridden the Cheltenham Festival winner and a group one winner is pretty tight. There's not loads of fellas in there and, um, and he's right up there. And like you say, moved. To, I think it was a bit of a surprise to, to a lot of people when he when he moved to England when he did. But um, rode heaps of winners over there. And look, while it wasn't his choice to go um, at, at the point he has, at least he's walking and talking um, on, on his way out of the game. Um, he'll move into the media now, I believe. He's a thinker, you know. He's an intelligent guy. Um, and he'll have plenty of valuable insights to give, I'm sure, in, in whichever role he takes up um, in the media. Yeah, absolutely. Where, wherever he goes, whatever he does, we wish him the world's success. He deserves it. And as Kev said, Vanessa, it's important that he manages to walk away from this because, unfortunately, that's not always the case for, for certain jockeys or people who work within the racing industry. It, it can be 
devastating. And, and while I'm sure it's crushing to him, uh, he's from great stock, as you'd say. Like his dad is Frank Berry, so he'll have he'll have. I wonder, will he be a bit like Frankie Tight Lips, or will he be able to? It <laughs> <laughs> won't, won't last long in the telly if he's like his own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you? So, what do you think? What do you think, Fran? How does this horse going to run? Well. What? What? Ah, he'll run well. Okay. And and what what race do you think he'll go for next? Ah, sure, you know, we'll see. <laughs> that, that wouldn't exactly be uh, for the for the best of TV, but no, the best look to him. He's um. He was a very, very talented jockey. Won the Labrador as well. Uh, Runner-up four times in the Irish Jockeys Championship. And uh, Pathfork for Jessica Harrington was a, a great a Group 1 winner for him in the national stakes. Just a, a lovely guy and a shame he's had to retire in the way that he has. Gordon Elliott has announced that Apple's Jade will run in the stairs hurdle at Aintree. And Sam Crow is out uh, Gordon is also going to be sending a massive team to the Grand National, which we'll be previewing later in the week. And the Willie Mullins team of Benny de Dieu, Faheen and Mellon will all take on Bouvedere in the entry hurdle, Vanessa Ryle. I don't think that's decided yet, but he's kind of has them down there as definite possibilities as far as I know. I don't, I don't think he's going to make his shout until tomorrow. The uh, line from Willie Mullins today, and bear in mind that Willie Mullins is like water, very, very fluid, confirmed that they will all line up. Really? Yeah. Was that an April Fool's? I didn't know what was going on with that. Honestly, I haven't known what to believe on social media today. I hate this fucking day. <laughs> Uh, that's why I just. I actually, that's I what, actually do. That's why I just stayed in the studio, just recording all day, endless voiceovers, because I I didn't want to be um, getting fooled. Um, actually, just I'm I'm not on the national podcast. It was just whilst we're touching on it, as various declarations and announcements are coming out. Um, another thing I cut over the weekend was a feature on Gordon Elliott and Tiger Roll. And I know lots of horses look nice in the sunshine at this time of year, but they are, you know, gelding still coming and getting their coat, whatever. Um, the footage we got in a Tiger Roll that was shot on Friday morning. I think he travels to Aintree. We're recording Monday. He travels to Aintree tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> he's leading the string right and I know it sounds ridiculous but I think Kevin and other horsemen that have been around horses kind of know what I'm talking about if a horse is thinking like he's the absolute dog's bollocks full of confidence and he's king of the castle this horse has that look about him honestly his coat it was like it's like a seal's it's just I, 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 you couldn't have him looking any better he couldn't look any better. And he was leading the string. I don't know if he always leads the string or if it was just because the our cameras were there filming on Friday morning. But he was leading the string and he was upside a horse. I've got no idea who the other horse is that's kind of been niggled along, niggled along. And he's tanking away. Keith Donahue's riding him. And if you're a Tiger Roll fan, it was like watching. You couldn't have asked for more, basically. That's so, my update. So what you're telling us is Tiger Roll only has to stand up and he's an absolute stone cold solid moral for the. <laughs> well, I tell you what. In again, in the feature, Gordon says. I think Chapa says to him something like, "Oh, you know, can you believe you've got a horse to win a second Grand National, going to a second Grand National? It's priced three to one." And Gordon, quite rightly so, basically says, 
I wouldn't back a horse to get around the national at three to one, let alone win it. And we all know he's not a backable price. But then he goes on to say, but, you know, in the form he's in, it seems like he's better than ever. And in the form he's in, other than it's the 40 horses around him that's the worry. It's not even the fences, really, or yeah. the trip or anything, or the ground or his form or anything. There's no worries there. Literally, the only worry is the 40 horses around him. Mm. He is a ridiculous price, Kev. I mean, like Vanessa's right. Three to one to get round is the kind of price you should be looking at. Seven to two top price is absolute madness because every year there is chaos and he's going to have a genius on his back, but it's just bonkers. Yeah, it's just not as much chaos as there used to be, though. True. You know, and he's just, he's, he, he, plenty of fellas are happy to back him. And look, it's, you know, I think we'll all do the same thing. We'll all be looking for something else. Um, you know, rather than Tiger Roll, just from a, from a betting perspective. But I think it's fair to say that, you know, not everyone in the game is, is sentimental, but I think it's fair to say and a, a oh. large proportion of the racing world will be uh, will be kind of supporting him first and foremost. And uh, well, I'll put it to you this way. If you're going to get beat, they won't be upset to get beat by Tiger Roll yeah. if they have a few yeah. quid on one. No, that, are, you, um, are you coming over for it, Kev? No, not the plan at the minute. Um, yeah. Not the plan at the minute. I'm um, going, and it was uh, there's a few like diary complications, and I was kind of a bit fifty fifty. But the idea of being at Aintree to watch Tiger Roll win a second Grand National, I'm not passing that up for heaven or earth. I'm afraid. Yeah, I'm, I'm funny enough. I'm actually looking at flights as we talk. And there's, <laughs> not, there's, there's, there's not many options. There's not many options. <laughs> I think they've, they've literally sold out. <laughs> if any horse, Tiger Roll fans, if any horse could do it though, it is Tiger Roll. And while he is just a bonkers short price, like I'll have, we'll talk about the horses that we're backing for the Grand National on Tuesday and on Thursday. Bonus podcast. Um, but if I got beaten by Tiger Roll, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I'd just, I, I'll actually be waving the Tiger Roll colors here, the Gigginstown colors. He's just such a hero, such a hero. And um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see him. Uh, fascinating to see these three Mullins horses take on Bouvadere as well. We'll talk about that. Yeah, I, I'm a skeptical Sammy now about that. I, I believe that when I see it. I'm a skeptical Sammy about that now. Kevin, <laughs> I, 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 skeptical Sammy Blake. Skeptical Sammy. Somebody make a meme. Somebody make a meme. Kevin Blake, skeptical Sammy. Uh, this would like uh, other people that, being yeah, Get a picture Sorry, of some owl lad looking down his nose, looking looking over his glasses down his nose, looking a bit skeptical. Yeah, that's skeptical, Sammy. I don't <laughs> think now. I don't think he would it do just, that. It just it wouldn't be like, no, don't put a Norville voice on skeptical, Sammy. I don't, I don't know now. I, I, that, that's I not a Norville voice. There's a slight twang to Norville. I normally go with a negative Nancy, and in my head, a negative Nancy wears a hat, and she looks like a right idiot. <laughs> with her kind of her nose scrunched up going oh I don't know yeah. about that <laughs> yeah exactly you know it yeah I don't know I, I couldn't I'd be amazed if it happened it wouldn't be a very willy thing now um, considering Punchestown is only around the corner and Fairy House um, and there's there's options there for for some of those horses so yeah I'd be I'd be surprised I'm sure something will go but geez if, if all of them went I'd be very surprised yeah he, he's um, that's what he's saying all three are fit well ready to run the only problem is if the ground keeps drying up 
Ah, oh, sure. Look, and there's hardly any rain forecast, so he he'll have to put him on the boat tomorrow, Tuesday. So yeah. we'll have we'll have news by then. And Blake Beck goes trees on that all tree don't go. <laughs> be some crack if none of them ran. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be, be a very willy thing to do now. <laughs> yeah, we we thought about it there at uh, five to eight, five to ten, and yeah, none of them are on. <laughs> oh, oh, hold on, hold on. There's an update here saying all the right faces are on oh, Benny Jesus. Didu, Faheen and Melon in a tricast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, Miss Parfois is uh, out of the Grand National, which is a shame. And um, there's a government minister who's talking up about Fop T curbs as important a step in tackling the problem gambling. Is it in at the Bennett? Did they come in today? They came in today, didn't they? Yeah, I about yeah. about I, I bloody time. Jeremy Wright has described the cut in FOPTI maximum stakes to £2, which came into force on Monday as a significant measure in tackling gambling-related harm. If you've watched any of the documentaries on the BBC and Channel 4 recently uh, about FOPTIs, they are just disgusting. They're just a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. And um, it's about time. Like, this thing got delayed. So it's about time action was finally taken. And um, you, know, you know, one would wonder... One would wonder that now this has come in and they've kind of taken this measure. You just wonder, might the next step be to um, put a similar restriction on casino-style games online? Oh, I would think so. I, I wonder would they go down that road. I would be surprised if they don't. It's, um, it, uh, and again, I'm just kind of thinking aloud here. I'd imagine that it would be much, much harder to, to regulate hmm. than, um, than bricks and mortar uh, betting shops but you'd think that you know because one of the one of the more common retorts to a suggestion of a lowering of, of fab t stakes when the debate was going on was well sure you'll just drive them online you know yeah. if they, they might be able to do it in the betting office but they'll just go home and uh, open up their their bookmakers website and play their casino games um because in my mind um a bookmaker's um, should be bookmakers and casinos are casinos. Yes. Uh, allowing bookmakers to have casino games is never something that has sat well with me personally. And now that this restriction has come into play in betting offices, one wonders could that be the the next battlefield in this particular war? Well, look, I commentated on poker for years, so I have my experience with casinos. And the last time we talked about this in the show... I was very critical of online casinos and uh, and what they do because again there's been several documentaries highlighting the devastating effect that they can have on people and I got several tweets from regular listeners to the show who say hey don't be having a go at me like I like to relax and play online casinos and I don't go overboard I just have a bit of fun and um, I can see that I can completely see how you can unwind and relax and get a bit of a thrill out of it but at the same time there are people who are vulnerable and who who fall into that trap and in the way that you have to regulate alcohol um, I think you have to do the right thing in, in this circumstance as well and the fact is that it's destroying lives um, so look the gamble responsibly campaign I don't think is really working um, 
I, I think a lot of people have to put their hands up and, and say that more needs to be done. Quite what it is that you do and how you fix it, I don't have the answer to that. But I would be very, very surprised if the government does not step in and decide, and now we're coming for you online casinos. I'd be very, very surprised if, if Kev isn't... Kev, if you were a nail and I was a hammer, I would be hammering you on the head because I think you've, you've hit it. I think you have hit it there, my I'm friend. not sure about that. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, final, final story then before Kev leaves us. Um, kind had her first foal for five years and has given birth to a full sister to Frankel. So big news this, obviously. Um, it should be pointed out that this also means that it's a full sister to Bullet Train. So we shall see how this horse does. But Kev, why would a fabulous broodmare like her be barren for so long? Um, she just presumes she just had some sort of issues. Um, when mares get older, um, holding, holding on to pregnancies can be that bit harder. Getting pregnant can be that bit harder. Sure, it's like humans. Um, the older you get, the trickier it gets. And um, some hold up longer than others. And you can be sure that Kind would have been getting the very, very best and world-class veterinary assistance to try to get her to do things right. And, uh, you know, she's not a, a super old mare. She's only 18. Mm. That's not that's not old in the greater scheme of things. So I'd only imagine that, would, that was a massive uh, head wrecker for all concerned. But uh, but they've but they've got a good result. They have uh, every one of of her progeny ended up with, uh, God rest him, the late Sir Henry Cecil or Lady Cecil, with the exception of uh, her last foal, who went to Andre Fab, and didn't really do a whole lot. It's going to be like even Noble Mission won over one point three million. Uh, and you wouldn't necessarily look back at Noble Mission and think, oh, what a superstar that horse was. But he, he pocketed a huge amount of money. Bullet Train even got 114000 and he was a pacemaker for most of his career. Um, Vanessa, this is a, an interesting story. And this horse, no matter who she ends up with, where she goes, is inevitably going to have a lot of pressure on her young shoulders. Yeah, she is. And it's the age old thing that, you know, let's be honest, she's none of the, you know, she's not going to be able, it's highly, highly, highly unlikely she's going to get anywhere near to what Frankel did. In truth, obviously, Kind is a very uh, decent brood, well, more than decent. She's an exceptional brood mare and she's produced some very classy horses. But when you have a horse like Frankel setting the bar, um, it's like when there's a brother in the family that's born early and goes out and gets 14 A stars at GCSE level, it's hard to match that, basically. Um, is that what and happened to you, she, Vanessa? No, my brother nearly got expelled from school, so I was golden. <laughs> and that's saying something, because I'm really not. But, um... Boom! No, she's huge, huge amount of pressure on her shoulders going forward. But she, you know, they're, they're, I'm sure they'll be absolutely delighted to get a filly on the ground. Absolutely delighted, because she doesn't even have to step foot on a race course. She doesn't even have to have a saddle put on her, because they will keep her... They are a homebred operation and they will breed from her down the line and it will keep that very strong, kind Frankel line going. So um, it's a bit of a win-win. You know, I'm just, I'm sure, in fact, it's the win is that they've got a filly on the ground 
obviously, because mm. they've had five struggling years. So whatever she does on the track, absolute bonus. Of course, it'd be wonderful for the story if she turned out to be another superstar. Unfortunately, it's highly unlikely. And yeah, like I said, as a as a homebred operation, they'll just be delighted with her gender. Yeah, and she's only ever had one filly prior to this. So yeah. like you say, massive result. And massive result already. Vanessa, as host of the Bloodstock show on Sky Sports Racing, how valuable is she if she were to be unraced? Like no matter what they do, just as she is now, how valuable a broodmare is she? I don't I, I wouldn't I don't think I'd even be able to put a figure on that, really. I mean, obviously, look, it's never gonna happen, but if she went through the sales ring, what would she make? Yeah, that, that type of that type of filly just wouldn't go through, would she? She no. just doesn't go through the sales ring. Yeah. It just doesn't happen from an operation like that. It doesn't happen. But I honestly couldn't put a figure on it. Two million, five million, eight million. I honestly wouldn't be able to put a figure on it. Um, I have no idea, but um, you know, they, as I know from the first Bloodstock show we did, I was lucky enough to go to Judmont and it's really hammered home how much effort they've put into the longevity of keeping these wonderful lines alive and like really deep rooted in their uh, Judmont history. And she'll be another piece of that jigsaw. 100%. Very, very interesting story. Uh, Kev is about to leave us, but he will be back with us tomorrow for our first look at Aintree 2019 and on Thursday we'll be taking a more in-depth look at the 2019 Grand National as well and we will try and land the TriCast. If you don't saying goodbye to you, Kev. If you don't Tri-Cast. aim for it, then <laughs> you can't get it. So let's aim for the stars and try and make an absolute fortune. Right now the at the races Grand National mega site is available. Uh, just click on national.attheraces.com. Uh, there's a stable tour with Nikki Henderson, uh, conversation with Gordon Elliott. Uh, which is done by Declan Ricks, who's going to be with us on Thursday. Barry Geraghty relives top five entry moments. Uh, Fitzy's taking a look at uh, the entry meeting as well. John Hunt recalls his five favorite Grand Nationals. And Norval has chipped in with some trend spotting as well. Um, wait, now, was it Norval who did it? Yeah, I'm being told it was Norval. So Norval's done the trend spotting. And um, there's uh, stats guides there as well. And Kevin Blake has written his article today and has his first pick for the Grand National. Now, I know, Kev, that you have three fun bets a year. There's a, there's a new addition to this. Normally, it was two. The Super Bowl and the Grand National, though, are the primary ones. How many swings do you think is acceptable for a punter to have, a better to have, on the Grand National? Um, if you're taking big prices, I'd never knock anyone for two, and that has stretched three if they're big prices. But two is two would be normal, I think, is fair to say. Okay. Do you know what Neil Channing would say to that? <laughs> I could probably take a guess. <laughs> Go on, have a guess. Not enough. <laughs> yeah, clearly so some some version of you're soft. <laughs> Five. Five swings at the Grand National is what Mr. Channing will be taking. And uh, looking forward to chatting to him again soon. Right, Kev, you got to go. And we will chat to you again tomorrow, my friend. Looking forward to it. Good luck. And congratulations See once you, again with Georgie Boy. He is an absolute superstar. Kev, will chat to you tomorrow. Uh, Kevin Blake, ladies and gentlemen, live from Golden and Tipperary. So Vanessa and I will take a quick look back at Maidan. I think the best way of doing this... I- 
Vinny. I, I don't. I, I can't believe. I can't believe Kevin's left left us two to do Maidan. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> the man. Joke. The man was too busy to even watch it. That's that's yeah, how. Yeah, we should make this clear. So he's not gone off for a doctor's appointment or wedding planning or anything like that. No, no, no. Kevin just announced that he needs to bail when we start talking about Dubai because he hasn't seen any of it yet. Uh, and I, I do get that. Like the poor guy has been, you know, run off his feet. He's on terrestrial television these days. He's Joseph O'Brien's race planner, if you didn't already know. He's getting married. And, and uh, getting married and the likes. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. But yeah, that's why he's bailed, guys. So give him a fair bit of abuse because he's left us in the lurch. Writing Bloodstock articles, writing award-nominated articles for At The Races, recording the Final Furlong podcast. So yes, he did drop Busy the bombshell. Boy. He dropped the bombshell just before I hit the record button. By the yeah. way, I haven't seen any of uh, Dubai. I can't talk about. I can't can't talk about me, Dan. That's gonna have to be you guys. So okay. it's us, Vanessa. It is uh, right. Let's rattle through it. Where are we start. So let's go for the Melbourne Cup winner, Cross Counter, who started his campaign in the best possible way by winning the Dubai Gold Cup from uh, a fellow Godolphin inmate, ridden by Brett Doyle, and uh, called the win. The French horse, who I quite liked going into the race was left for dust. Um, he kind of announced himself on the scene late last season, like midway through the season. Um, obviously, as a gelding, he couldn't run in the St. Ledger. Charlie Appleby winning the Melbourne Cup was a huge moment in his already uh, very significant and very talented career. And um, cross-counter looks like he could be a proper stayer. Yeah, he did. It was really impressive, actually. And he's beat a race fit horse in second and Call the Wind uh, ran an all right race. Probably needs further, obviously, on, on form. But, um, yeah, like he was he was fairly impressive and set the ball off rolling nicely for Team Godolphin, uh, the boys in blue. And, yeah, I think the fact that he, he, him and the second horse pulled clear of Call the Wind, well, Call the Wind rattled on, they actually pulled clear of the rest of the field and then Call the Wind finished with a bit of a flurry. Um, it was a good performance. Like I said, I think the race fitness angle, when they got into the duel with Ispolini or whatever it's called, um, I thought that the fitness might tell, but actually cross counter, he's just very game and he's very good. Actually, mm. he's just very game and good. And, um, you know, it's nice to see a Melbourne cup winner come out and do that. Isn't it? It's, you know, I like, that. I like that often you can see a Melbourne cup winner next and, you know, that that's a grueling race in itself. He's had time to recover. He's been trained for this bang. And he goes happy days. Yeah. It kind of gives you an example of just how tough this horse is. Very that, tough. That you know to go down under and run a race in very different circumstances and win it, and in the end, he won it well. I think he was he suffered interference that day too, and still managed to to get up and win. Um, and his three year old yeah. campaign, you know, I suppose some would argue it was it was light enough, but it wasn't really. Like he started racing in in January, yeah. he had that gelding operation. Um, he really announced himself when he beat DXB. He finished runner-up to a horse who would also win on Dubai World Cup night, Old Persian. And yeah. um, then after a 76-day break, wins the Melbourne Cup. After a 144-day break, wins the Dubai Gold Cup for gazillions of, of pounds. Um, yeah, it's hard. It really is hard to take away from him. And, you know, the, the, the tracks he's won at, he's won at Ascot Goodwood... Flemington and now Maidan. Mm. You know, he's a globe trotter and he deals with the idiosyncrasies of said tracks. 
um, like they all come as the same and we know full well that they don't. And there's not many horses out there that can do that like he does. And obviously, look, he's in a wonderful operation and he's trained to perfection, but it's hard to take away from a horse like him. And hopefully, you know, now he's, um, well, we'll see him back here, I'm sure, in the summer somewhere. And yeah, it was a really likeable performance. Really, really likeable. Set the ball rolling, set the tone nicely for the rest of the card, actually. Charlie Appleby was saying that he had spoke to his highness briefly, but that no plan had been made, that they will probably go for the Gold Cup, but nice. they will just sit back and enjoy the moment, essentially, is, is what he was saying, uh, with more success to come their way. Does he deserve to be second favourite? Because that's the position he currently holds now. Stradivarius is 5-2, to two, top prices are looking at the races. Capri, who Kevin broke the story about, is going to be campaigned as a cup horse this season, sevens, and cross-counter is the same price. Does he deserve to be that short? Mm, it's probably about the right price, isn't it? I'd say it probably is about mm. the right price. On what we've just touched upon there, it's hard, like I said, it's hard to knock him. Like, yes, you know, has he got the absolute outright, like, top draw, top, top, top draw class of Stradivarius as a stayer? That is obviously yet to be proven. But on what he's doing at the moment, and, you know, the thing is, is he's not flashy. He's not flashy in anything he does. So it's hard to know where the ceiling is with him, yeah. especially on that latest run. You know, like I said, referring to the race fit second, it's hard to know how much more there is to come out of him. And he's with an operation that are gonna, is going to get the best out of him now as an older horse. So is that the maddest price in the world? Probably not. Yeah, I tend to agree. To be honest, I tend to agree. And his, the way his form is working out so well, too, it's just going to be very, very interesting to see how things develop. Right, the big sprint, then. The uh, Alquaz sprint on Sky Sports Racing, which you can watch back on the At The Races website, by the way. Um, this went the way of Royal Ascot winner Blue Point. His season kind of fell apart after he beat Batash. He was no match for US Navy flag, went down to Alpha Delphini, but he's been mopping up races in Maidan and including on Dubai World Cup night where he's a long odds on favourite. He's entitled to go and win this race, but he's done it, he's done it well, Vanessa. Um, I actually would say he kind of made harder work than it. He made harder work of it than was necessary, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, you know, he's beat a 66 to one shot in second and not. I mean, it was convincing at the line, but there was a time where I thought, always oh, making a touch hard work of this. But that's three decent sprints on the bounce over in Maydown, where he's obviously flourished. Look, there was clearly something went amiss with him after Ascot last year. I, I, I can't tell you what, but those runs at Newmarket and York, for me, you know, from what he showed at Ascot, something went amiss and then he's been off the track a long time and then they've taken him over to Maidan and campaigned him there where he's absolutely mopped up three sprints um, but at prices that suggest that he's racing against horses uh, less, you know, less talented than him basically and this was an accumulation of the season so far and it was obviously a slightly deeper race on Dubai World Cup that night and he did it well enough he looked to take a fairly decent hold and then uh, yeah he just sort of it was definitely a little bit harder work than I'm sure William Buick would have liked to get him to the front but then by the time he got to the line he was doing some of his best work 
Uh, we were talking earlier about Invincible, about the Sprint Division and the Invincible Army over here winning over six furlongs up at Doncaster. And I suppose this is the horse that if he can now come back from Maydan and continue the form, I'm sure they'll probably give him a little bit of a break now, freshen him up, and then he'll cam- be campaigned over here, I'm sure, as a sprinter this season. Clearly, that that that's the obvious route to go down with him. And... It would be really nice if he could be that horse that, like I said, we were referring to that puts his hand up and he's like, I'm the superstar sprinter. Mm. Obviously, last year we had the Tash bit. That, well, yeah. And he he's a horse that can hopefully over... Now he's been, you know, he's been stepped up to the six furlongs, but he's he's very... He seems versatile over five and six furlongs. So hopefully he'll be a horse that, yeah, will will be able to transfer that form back over here to England. Um, obviously, I think punters are probably a little bit burnt by him after last year because he did let them down when he went to Newmarket and then again at York. But hopefully, like I say, he'll get back on track with his English turf season. He's a five-year-old, full horse, by Shamadal. Like When they do retire him, he is, is going to be worth a fortune. Uh, the plan is to... You might have thought that... And, and Kevin was asking that they would go up to six furlongs with him. You might have thought they would have switched and gone for the Diamond Jubilee, but no, the plan is to defend his crown in the King stand and possibly then go back to six furlongs, maybe for the July Cup again and, and other races. But I think consistency is going to be the key with him, keeping him sound. And if they can do that, then he's going to be a massive, massive player. Uh, he's top price five to one for the King stand, which is a very, very interesting price, I think, to, to say the least. Yeah, I think the thing is with him is, is when he's right, he's clearly very, very good at five or six furlongs. Mm. He's just a very, very fast, good sprinter at five or six furlongs. Um, but the key to that to that statement is when he's right. And obviously there's been times where we've seen him on a race course and now in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing. He hasn't been right. Um so, yeah, hopefully they'll be able to keep him sound. Let's just hope that we have him back uh, firing on all cylinders, so to speak. And this is a great excuse for me to talk about a horse that we haven't mentioned this season, Sergei Prokofiev, who won on his seasonal debut uh, over five furlongs and will be campaigned as a sprinter this season by Scat Daddy. So will it be the Commonwealth Cup? Will it be the King Stands? We'll have to wait and see. I'd say a lot will depend on what 10 sovereigns does xy jet so third... oh can i just give a shout out to sands of marley please of course sprint, you sorry. can for, just for um, friend of the show made... richard fahey obviously for friend of the show richard fahey yeah uh he was doing a lot of the he was doing a lot of the donkey work at the hard end of that race and he'd finished a little bit lackluster uh he didn't you know I think they probably were a little bit disappointed with that run. He ended up finishing sixth. Uh, but interestingly, just I know we joked about it earlier, but in that Fahi three to follow for the season, Sands of Marley was uh, Richard Fahi's number one horse. And in that thing, in that little VT, he says the statement, um, he said, I think his exact words were, you know, he, last season he should have been champion sprinter. We've had some very good sprinters through our yard and he's bang up there with the best of them. And hopefully this season he'll prove that. I thought that was a very big statement for a man like Richard Fahey. And it really, I really clocked onto it and I'd seen that before the Dubai run. And then I was a touch disappointed with him in Dubai. He faded, he weakened. Mm. Um, So... 
but you know he's he's travelled over there for one run. He hasn't had the sort of time over there that others have had in the race, and he'd definitely be one on that statement just to uh, not write off just yet. Not that anyone would be, but just in case you were going to. Well, I remember, and it wasn't through Blake because most people would associate our Richard Hannon connection. Richard Hannon connection? What? What? It's been a long day, folks. A Richard Vai connection as uh, coming through Blake. It was um, another journalist friend of mine was saying that they were holding this horse in the highest of regard. And it was yeah. before he ran at York as a juvenile. And um, he bolted up that day. And the horse he beat was Invincible Army. And they've had this kind of to and fro then ever since. Um, mm. And, you know, the start to last season was really good. Like, it's, there's nothing wrong with finishing half a length second in a, in a Royal Ascot race. It just kind of went off the rails before he managed to get things back on track at the end of the season when, he, when they beat Harry Angel at a big price on Champions Day. But th- that's a very, very interesting quote from Richard Fahey. And it's one that yeah. means put him in your at-the-races tracker and just back him at a big price for a, for a major sprint because I, I think a lot of these races are going to be a case of horses just the same horses Falling beating in. each other. Yeah, they're just, they're just yeah. gonna, they're, there isn't really a standout. Uh, you know, Blue Point has shown that he can be beaten, that he's not always going to be the easiest horse. So put him in and let's see if we can get a big price about him. Uh, the Dubai Golden Shaheen deservedly went to... XY Jet, runner-up in 2016, runner-up in 2018, winner in 2019, and uh, £1.1 million for their efforts as well. Uh, I really like this, Vanessa. I was very pleased that he won. Yeah, look, he's a likeable horse, and his placed efforts um, means that I'm sure lots of people were hoping he'd get his head in front here, and he made it pretty straightforward, didn't he? Bounced out, made all pretty comfortable by the time he got to the line and he was sent off favourite and he won like a favourite and on that surface in those circumstances it was all pretty straightforward I don't have a huge amount to say on it I'm afraid yeah I think that'll do to be honest about it uh, <laughs> Roy H coming out of the race was a, was a real shame um, Christophe Lemaire was on board a horse who he said could be my winks Almondai who had won her last six starts goes and gets her latest Group 1. Her previous four races were Group 1 company. And um, she's done this well. Like, this is... There's been a lot of talk about her. We know the Japanese can produce world-class horses. And Almondai looks right up there, Vanessa. Yeah. Um, I mean... I was excited to see her just because of the hype, really, as much of any, mm. as much as anything. There've been some serious quotes about her bashed around, and um, Christophe Lemaire managed to get a settled mid div, um, a couple of furlongs in, and the second and third horse, Vivlos and Lord Glitters tracked her. She was sort of yeah, she was about mid div, and they tracked her, and the front runners totally fell by the wayside. So on a pace basis that's something just to bear in mind and basically she went and did the job really nicely she lived up to her reputation and I think um, another Jamie Lynch reference actually I was just talking to him about this race this morning and we were talking about how the fact like last year was kind of 
um, a lot of the storylines and threads were horses kind of bolting up in their own divisions. So like Stradivarius, Roaring Lion, Winks, you know, there were horse, there weren't many head to heads. There were just individual standout horses winning individual standout categories. And I think what's really key with Arm and I and something that um, will hopefully carry this story through the whole season is the hope of her beating a Nabel, obviously in the arc. That's the chat, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And that. If if that happened, that would you know racing needs head to heads again from the conversation just with Jamie. It's like it's all well and good having these standout one-off performers. Um, Arm and I won this race really nicely, and now hopefully she'll come over again. Uh, she'll come over to Europe, sorry, and run in the Arc, and that will be just something to really look forward to if it happens and savor if they line up because. Obviously, there's lots of ifs and buts at the start of the season. He had everything to go right, and she's bolted up here, basically. And it's hopefully onwards and upwards to the arc. But head-to-heads is what racing needs, and it's all well and good, her putting in these standout performances. But if she met Enable, oof, wouldn't that be good? Oh, it really wouldn't would. be good? It really would. Six runs. Of the ones... Yeah, six and then, and then, runs, sorry, six just... wins. Like she's an unbeaten mare, and and Christophe Lemaire's quote beforehand that Almond Eye can be my winks. Like Almond Eye has travelled. She's gone to to Dubai. Winks owners really should have done that. I, I know it's it might sound like a broken record now at this stage, but Winks can be a national hero for Australia. You can have beers named after her. You can put her on the Australian. $10 notes, $100 notes, whatever it is you, you want to do, carve out a, a mountain like Mount Rushmore in, in her honor. But the fact is that globally, she never competed outside of Australia, and so we're not going to know. And while Frankel only competed in the UK, that is where the top middle distance horses are, and he was beating group one, horses who would go on and win group ones afterwards. This horse, Almond Eye, the suggestion is that she will have a run somewhere in Europe before the arc, but the arc is her ultimate target, and she is at top price of 10 to 1, and one major bookmaker is only going 4 to 1. So it would be nice if the Japanese, as much as Enable going for three in a row would be incredible, it would be nice to see the Japanese finally win this race because they've supported it so much, they've thrown so much firepower at it, and I keep thinking of that video of the Japanese fans going mental oh, as their that. horse goes, th- and then that horse that no one can ever remember comes and nails them on the line. Yeah, they're just... so they're so sort of brave with the way they campaign their horses, and their yeah. program obviously lends itself to come over here and run at Maidan, and then hopefully Europe as well, and then the Arc. And the Arc is something that they're just desperate to win. But I love that. I love that they keep throwing their best at this the program over here. And this is a horse that when you watch that run back, you know, the way she just swung into the straight, swung out wide, quickened. She's ridden with all the confidence in the world, ridden like she was the best horse. Other horses tracked her and couldn't go with her, and the front lot fell by the wayside. Um, it was easy as you like. I suppose one horse to take out of it, just from a European point of view, maybe would be Lord Glitters, who ran well above his odds and is definitely a horse who is going to have um, a pretty fruitful campaign, I would say. Mm. Um, he's another one who actually is one of David O'Meara's three to follow for the season. Um, and he just said that he came back from his winter holiday brilliant and they were going to run him in Dubai. And then he was very confident that he would be able to scoot around some of those mile, mile two races. And yeah, he'd be one that might just turn up 
He'd be the sort of horse that, you know, David O'Meara often has that turns up in some of those group races, might even go over to Ireland. You know, he does that a lot. And he'd be um, potentially a bigger price than he should be because he always runs well without actually sometimes getting his head in front. Yeah. So he'd be one that I'd definitely be looking out for on his next run. And they're still keeping going with without parole as well for uh, John Gosden and Frankie Dettori. David O'Mara, I've got the exclusive. He's going to be the next master of belly doyle and read my book moments in the sun tales from the punter's pal uh i actually i was moving the other day and i found the book uh, moments in the sun by by claude duval gravy train specialist so i'm i'm actually going to give it another read uh, i might as well it's just bonkers stuff old persian uh, by the way it should be pointed out that she's definitely better over further so to do what she did at that trip yeah. suggests she's a super talented horse. And when they get her to middle distances again, I think that's she's very, very exciting. Um, old Persian wins the Dubai Shima Classic. Um, so the old duo, um, both manage, managing to succeed on the night for Charlie Appleby. And um, in the end, he's... He was a horse. He didn't have a whole lot of room, Vanessa. Things got really tight for him, but he's run on really well to go and win. Yeah, he's run on really well to go in and actually pretty impressively. He traveled really nicely. Uh, he had a wall of horses in front of him, swung out wide and then went on and left the rest of the field for dead. And it was the two Japanese horses at slightly bigger prices that followed him home. Uh, one of which, you know, he had, again, I refer to the race fitness, but he had a run under his belt over in Maidan. He beat a horse who, um, and it, you know, he probably had the race fitness edge and he's a typical sort of um Godolphin. Well, it was just very impressive, actually. You couldn't, you know, he's 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 done that really nicely, and he's another horse that fits the sort of cross counter bill of coming back over here and hopefully being able to build on what he'd done last season at the likes of York and a few other places, uh, Ascot. But I don't know. I wasn't. It was one of the races on the night that I wasn't overly enthused by. Some of the other runners disappointed. The Aidan O'Brien runner disappointed. Yeah, what did Two you, what did you make of, of the Aidan O'Brien team in general at, at Maidan? None of them really landed a blow. I Can Fly was bitterly disappointing. Lost Treasure didn't do a whole lot. Van Beethoven was thrashed. And while Hunting Horn and Magic Wand ran well, they're, they're a good way behind. They're in a long way. They're off the bridle very, well, not very early, but... You know, old Persian was still cruising along and looked much the winner. And like I said, he flew and the rest of the field just closed. Those two behind him just closed, really. So the actual winning distance doesn't really show the rate. You know, it doesn't really tell the story of the race, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, no, Aidan O'Brien's runners were disappointed, but disappointing over there. But that's not the first time I've been disappointed by his horses over there. And then it doesn't seem to affect them for the rest of the season. Mm. Not in general, anyway. That's a totally sweeping statement, but you understand what I'm saying. So I wouldn't be worried too much. Um, I'll put it to you this way I wouldn't be in the least bit surprised if later in the season, Magic Wand is beating Old Persian. about that obviously we'll have to see where they all end up but yeah i wouldn't be surprised if, she, if, if yeah much closer much much closer hmm. 
like things will turn around. I know that there's there's a better filly there in Magical, but I wouldn't be surprised. It just it seems as though they have two ways of going, the O'Brien team. It's <laughs> either they they head out there for the sun, and and they can they campaign and compete on a very rich night where there's peace in our time between Godolphin and Coolmore. Or they use it as a genuine, as a genuine prep, like Mendelssohn, and uh, and and he bolting up. But but this year, I just presume they were going to compete, but they weren't a hundred percent. But um, Magic One's next start will be very very interesting, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if she manages to turn the form around with Old Persian. Or maybe it'll be Magical who takes him on. Maybe it'll be Q Gardens. Who knows? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But. Um, yeah, the the decision really was to talk about these races as as these are the ones that would most affect us in terms of European races going forward and races to watch on Sky Sports Racing. And with that in mind, the Dubai World Cup is definitely a race that we have to talk about because uh, Sky Sports Racing obviously has top-class American action and Thundersnow will almost certainly be heading back stateside, I should imagine. Saeed bin Saror getting in on the act and with the most significant winner of the night as well. For the third consecutive year, Thundersnow is a winner on Dubai World Cup night. UAE Derby in 2017, the Dubai World Cup last year, and from a horrible draw, he goes and wins the Dubai World Cup again. Hopefully you're on. Christoph Sumion knew he'd won. I wasn't as sure, Vanessa. No, I wasn't as sure either as they crossed the line. I was watching it in the office, actually. I wasn't as sure as they crossed the line. I must say, and I'm not, you know, people have really strong opinions on the World Cup, dirt racing, these sort of races. And I I can really enjoy the World Cup. I have done in the past with previous winners. There was something about the build-up to this race, the race itself and the aftermath, which for some reason, and I don't know why, I just never got into it. Honestly, I just never got enthused by it. I know he's a back-to-back winner and he's done that well. But basically, it was North America, Gronkowski and Thundersnow. Nothing else seemed to get into it. It was a bit of a dueling slog. It's the sort of finish that Christoph really won't be wanting to watch back anytime soon uh, from a personal point of view. He was kind of all out of rhythm with the horse. And I actually thought the horse was very game and helped him out to really sneak his head in front where it mattered most. He's just... He's tough and admirable, and those sort of races are a real slog to watch. And Gronkowski really made it, you know, putting it up to him at such a big price. And it, I guess it was an exciting finish in the moment, but just something about it hasn't grabbed me somehow. Mm. I, I can't really put my finger on as to why. And I was reading a lot of Twitter and, you know, Dubai fans and dirt racing fans telling me that he's an all-time great of the dirt and all of this, and... I don't know. I don't know if I just haven't been, I haven't brought into it somehow. Um, and in the aftermath of the race, I was a little bit meh. Like I said, nothing else really got into it. North America fell out, you know, finished mid div after trying to put it up to trying to set the pace and do it from the front. And Grankowski and Thundersnow, like I said, the only two that really got in any sort of race for the actual win itself. Maybe I'm, you know, I probably haven't given it a full amount of attention. I should have done, but for some reason, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit unenthused by it. Well, the thing I like about him is that he disgraced himself in the Kentucky <laughs> Derby. He, like, he absolutely <laughs> disgraced himself 
there. That and to to such a point that Peter T. Fornesel was making the point in the podcast last season that most American players just laughed him off, just scratched him yeah. from like wouldn't even entertain the idea of having him. And he's managed to bounce back to go and win a Dubai World Cup, finish third in a Breeders' Cup Classic and come back and win another Dubai World Cup. And he's the first horse in history to win back-to-back Dubai World Cups. Yeah, I'm not taking it away. I don't don't want to take anything away from the horse. Like I said, I think he's a very admirable horse. And it it was, you know, it's great to see a horse win a race like that back-to-back. You know, you just, you have to have so much heart in those races Mm. and a real will to win. And he definitely has that. He's a proper, proper racehorse through and through. Um... I, it just the race as a whole, the event as a whole didn't grab me. Um, but, you know, credit where it's due to the horse. Do you think it didn't grab you because there wasn't an accelerate? There wasn't a, like a, a major, like Justify wasn't there, like a top yeah. class US horse or a, a really... I think that probably was it from, you know, I don't follow um, US racing anywhere near as closely as you or Kevin or any of those guys. But obviously we show it a lot on the channel. So I see quite a lot of it one way or another. And yeah, I think, you know, part of the story of of them bringing those really absolute top, top, top front page and back page horses over. Um, Obviously we had some good runners over from America, but I think maybe that probably was a lot to do with it. Um, Yeah. When Arrowgate won, just felt like he was a real champion. Yeah. Um, somehow, I maybe I maybe I'm being harsh. I'm thinking out loud, but that's just my that's just my personal opinion. Oh, hey, and you're entitled to it. You're more than entitled to it, and uh, and maybe you have a point. Maybe people didn't get as 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 worked up about it, but for me, I was really excited about it. Um, I mean, I'm going to sound like a complete tosser here, or maybe more so than than I usually do, but uh, I tipped him at twenties last year. And I got some buzz out of him winning. Mm. And I, I was convinced he'd win. Like, I had a good chat with, with Peter on the podcast about him. And he's drawn out in the car park. It's a terrible draw. I think you're right about Christoph that, that the horse did get him out of trouble. But Christoph Sumion is a jockey I just absolutely love. He's brilliant. He really is brilliant. Oh, he is brilliant. And I the comment about just he probably doesn't want to watch that, but he made the comment himself that he, oh, he felt did, more yeah. like a yeah. uh, Cheltenham jump jockey. And I think he meant just by that that it was a real effort physically for him as well as the horse. Mm. And you could kind of see that in the dying strides in the last in the last hundred yards or so. Um, but I'm not taking anything away from him as a jockey. You know, we know he's different gear. Which is why I admire the fact even more that he knew he'd won or that he was so confident that he'd yeah. won because I, I don't know how you could be. I really don't, but fair play. Uh, got the job done. So America next. What do you make of Gronkowski and the fact that he has bounced around so many trainers? Yeah, bounced around trainers, um, you know, always threatened to, well, he's he's put in some decent performances over in America and he's always threatened to do something like what he did um, on Saturday, which was very, very, very nearly win a Dubai World Cup, a very big race on the dirt. You know, that's what he has been threatening to do since he left the Cedars. Um, but he just hasn't quite done it, has he? And he's had to come up against some real top notches like Justify. And 
that was another pretty brilliant performance from him. And actually, your heart kind of goes out to him. Um, you know, you want he's a horse that, yeah, you, you want him to. He keeps popping up at all the big events. Mm. And is he going to win one soon? You'd hope so, wouldn't you? You've got to hope so. Somewhere, well, somewhere. Um, one of these will fall his way, especially if he puts his best foot forward like he did clearly with Thunderstow. You could tell he's a horse that sometimes I've questioned his... I haven't questioned his ability so much as his attitude on the odd occasion. Whereas against Thundersnow in... Um, out in Maidan, you know, you couldn't question his his heart and his his attitude. He he, you know, tried his heart out um, under Sheen Murphy, and it, it he lost out by a short nose. Oshin Murphy gave him a cracker. He gave him an Belting absolute ride. storming Absolutely ride. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he really did. Credit to him. And like I said to you before, you know, yes, the race didn't totally get me going, but you need two horses to make a race, and the finish was terribly exciting because of Gronkowski. Yeah. Uh, the trainer is based in the United Arab Emirates, so I imagine that Gronkowski will bounce to another trainer. And will this be Chad Brown again? Will it be Todd Pletcher? Who's it going to be? I have no idea. It's it's bizarre. Um, but Phoenix Thoroughbred know what they're doing, and we'll see who he ends up in training with uh, a little bit later on in the season. And, of course, we'll be able to watch him on Sky Sports Racing. The man he's named after is the former New England Patriots tight end, the Gronk, Gronkowski, who's actually bought into him. He's got uh, part of the ownership. I have no idea how much of it, but um, he's retired this season. It was a bit of a shock that he did. Uh, so he'll be spending most of his time chasing around Gronkowski around the States and uh, showing up on NBC with Nick Luck. And yeah, we'll, we'll see all that coverage on Sky Sports Racing. Um, that's pretty much it. I will just give a quick mention to the fact that Peter T. Fornatal knocked it out of the park with the Maidan tips, yeah. including Colefront winning the Godolphin Mile. Just take a bow and very much looking forward to having him back on the show. Uh, Royal Ascot He's different is the gear, by he the way. And I should just put my hand brilliant. up now and say, I should have logged off Skype when we started to review Dubai and we should have phoned up Peter, but he was unavailable. And so you got lumbered with me. But in terms of a man for those sort of days and that sort of racing, Different gear, absolutely different gear. He, he is fantastic, he really is, and uh, very much looking forward to having him back on the Final Forum podcast soon. Uh, the At The Races, to completely switch gears, once again, the At The Races Grand National site is available now, national.attheraces.com. All the information you need, including race cards, is right there, anti-post prices as well, and, and of course, uh, you know... I mean, it'd be fantastic if we could win. We'll uh, see how Bouvet gets on. I'd be disgustingly drunk. Uh, Nikki Henderson already has a piece there. So keep an eye out on At The Races, and we will have, hopefully, two podcasts for you taking care of entry. Vanessa Ryle, it is a delight, as always, to talk to you. I believe you are back on the show to review entry with us uh, next week. So until... Great, I'm going. So I'll give you on the ground feedback yes you can tell us how good the moet was how good the <laughs> vip lounge is at aintree you can talk about all that stuff um, oh yeah looking forward to it it's going to be a fantastic week vanessa pleasure as always yeah really good fun thanks for having me on again as always and thank you so much for all the kind words on social media i know i say it every week but genuinely mean it it takes effort to get in touch with us and it does mean a lot when you take the effort and the time to do that so thank you 
so so much for doing so the Grand National is on the way and hopefully we are going to crack it for you hopefully we're going to land the TriCast so stay tuned you can subscribe to the Final Furlong Podcast on your podcast app so you never miss an episode and check out all the back catalogue on attheraces.com from Vanessa Ryle and myself we will talk to you again very very soon on the Final Furlong Podcast thanks for listening God bless have you downloaded the free At The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details. <laughs>